When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ryan here, host of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast, where I get to have conversations with some amazing people from all over the world who have stories to share, experiences we can learn from, and knowledge in areas we can use and apply to our lives to make us better and happier people. Each episode has a different topic, but all geared towards helping us along our own pursuit of happiness and helping us understand this journey we call life just a little better. We'll touch on everything from mental health to nutrition, diet, fitness, travel and adventure, relationships, and much, much more. Along this journey, I'll also experiment and apply some of the advice and information from my conversations to see how it affects me along my own pursuit of happiness, and then report back to you all. Now, I wish I could have sit down with this episode's guest years and years ago, God knows I could have used her help numerous times. Let me introduce Allison Wellington, dating and relationship coach, and a damn good one at that. She has a no-mess-around attitude, which honestly, every coach should have. She's a straight shooter, whether you want to hear it or not. And her mantra is that she wants to revolutionize the way individuals find the partner they deserve. Now, we go into that word deserve into detail on this episode. I won't give it away right now, so stay tuned for that. But Allison is super in tune with dating in today's world, a lot of it being online and dating apps these days with the pandemic, and that's just kind of the way people meet these days. So we discuss different scenarios and give tips and advice for people to find more success on dating apps and just dating in general. Now, another reason I really wanted to have Allison on was as my personal relationship progresses, I can't believe it's been almost a year now, which is crazy, time has just flown by. But things are getting serious, things are going very well. And as we look into taking the next step, I wonder to myself, I wonder how many people are in my shoes that just haven't had the necessary conversations needed to have to make their relationship one that lasts. So that's when I found Allison and I said, hey, listen, this is something I'm looking to do. I feel very comfortable and very confident in the conversations I've had. But I wonder how many people actually wait until after they tie the knot to have these conversations and set expectations. And I will say Allison's advice was top notch. You don't want to miss this. We hit on everything from handling your finances to gender roles to therapy before marriage. And I made sure to get her thoughts on the debated topic of moving in together before the big day. I'm getting carried away because I'm really excited for you all to listen to this conversation. As I just said, the advice is top notch, and this has an opportunity to help you and your relationship. So without further ado, here is Allison Wellington. Allison Wellington, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Pursuit of Happiness. 
it's about time I got linked back up with a dating and relationship coach. I'm really excited to have you on. I have a lot of questions for you, but first and okay. foremost, hello, how are you? <laughs> Fine, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Now you're in New York City, correct? Yes, Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. Born and raised. Yankees fan, I assume? Uh, I'm more of an underdog kind of person, so Mets. Mets, okay. If All I right. had to choose. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not a baseball fan, period. <laughs> if I had to choose, I'm the underdog guy. That's who I am. All right, I appreciate that. I'm actually, I'm an upstate New Yorker. Um, my whole family is Yankee fans, but I'm drinking out of an Orioles cup right now. So I was wondering if you were going to see that and give me crap about that, but uh, no, 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 no. Good to know. Good to know. So New York city, that is quite the dating scene from what I hear. Yes. Um, Now with the pandemic going on, as we speak, is a lot of your focus still in New York? Are you more of a nation and or global wide? So uh, my clients for my coaching program are nationwide. Master classes, which are just through Zoom to give advice, is global. Um, but I've had my fair share of clients in New York, throughout Texas, Florida, California. So nationwide. Awesome. And that's great. You know, with the pandemic going on, people can't meet up, people can't travel. But uh, your words and advice certainly do. And, um, you know, I will say for being somebody who is in a relationship now, but having struggles with the dating game for quite some time a coach matters it really matters especially dating is very difficult these days there's a lot of aspects that make it tough you know you get jaded and you need someone to kind of keep the focus and keep you upbeat keep you positive otherwise you start bringing that negativity into the dates and it's just it goes downhill really fast (laughs) so i appreciate what you do and let's talk about that let's talk about what you do and how you got here today. I'm super interested to hear how a dating coach becomes a dating coach. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, sure. So it's there's a two-pronged story here. One of them finances and the other one emotions. I'll start with the finances part. So last year in the midst of COVID, um, the mayor of New York City, Mayor de Blasio, said something that I've never heard in my entire life. So I don't know about other folks in cities, but the big thing, especially in New York City, is to get a city job, a state job, be unionized, have those protections, right? Um, Have your pension. And so that's what we've always been taught. And so Mayor de Blasio said that due to uh, the pandemic, they're looking to let go of 300,000 city employees. What? Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be protected. I'm supposed to be good. Like my job is supposed to be secure. So when hearing that and coming to the realization that my job is not as secure as I thought it was, I said, I need to find another stream of income that's going to allow me to support myself because obviously I cannot depend on my employment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did what a lot of people do. I went to my friends and I said, guys, I'm worried. This is what de Blasio said. Uh, What am I good at? Like, where's my skill set? And one of my friends said, you're really good at telling people what to do. <laughs> said, you know what? You're right. I am. And that's why I actually do it in my nine to five. I'm a school counselor in my nine to five. So I am really good at telling people what to do. You're really good at giving advice and making folks be motivated and, and, and holding them to task, holding them accountable. That's what you're good at. I'm like, okay, well, what can I do with that outside of what I already do? And they said, you should become a motivational speaker. I'm like, uh, I'm going to Google it. 
I Googled it. I'm like, I'm not really sure about motivational speaking, especially in the midst of COVID. Where am I going? First of all, you have to build a brand. Yeah. And then where am I going to present to a room of 500 people like, or 1,000 people or 30,000 people if you're MSG, right? Hmm. Like that's not a good look. So I continued to dig and I found life coaching. So I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this. I can tell people what to do and, and this makes sense. And I can advise and guide and, and, and push and be the cheerleader of and support. So I started to do the class. And the joke is, is that when I signed up to become a certified life coach, I found out that no one is a life coach. That's what the instructor said. So I'm like, what do you mean no one's a life coach? They said no one will be successful if they market themselves as a life coach. Mm. You have to speak directly to a very specific problem that you have the capability of solving. So if you are a small business coach, because you have experience in building small businesses and making them successful and, and creating systems, that's what you'll do. If you have experience of co-parenting and being able to function as a divorcee, and so you're a co-parenting coach. Um, if you have experience in transitioning from the workforce to retirement, then you're a transitional coach, whatever, career coach, but no one is a life coach by title because no, you're, the audience won't receive you. So I'm like, damn, well, then now I need to do some more digging because what am I good at? Like, where's my expertise that I could apply that to my life coaching credentials, which I already paid for. So I'm going to move forward and do it. Right. <laughs> and so that's when I came up with the dating and relationship element. So now here comes the emotionality piece of the story. So, OK, I've paid my money. I know I want to be a life coach. The lady says I can't be a life coach. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? She says, you need to niche down. You have to figure out exactly what problem you solve. And so I had to do some reflection to say, well, what problem have I solved for myself that I'm confident that I'd be able to solve for others? So at that time, this was last year, I was engaged. I was set to be married maybe two months later, two or three months after this. And um, my husband, he's amazing. And um, but before him, I was dating a guy for four years who was either unable or unwilling to commit. How do I define commitment? So we're together for four years. You don't wanna open a bank account. You don't wanna buy a house. You don't wanna be engaged. You don't wanna get married. You don't wanna have a baby. So you just want me to be your girlfriend and I'm 29 years old. Like how, like girlfriend, girl and 29 don't match. I'm not anybody's <laughs> girlfriend, right? Like, I, And you're not my boyfriend, you're a grown man. So I'm like, this isn't gonna work for me. And so I left, even though he was a good person, like overall, and I'm sure other people might look at me and say, like, I was, he's a good guy. Why would you leave? We are not appropriately matched. We don't want the same things mm -hmm. out of life. So this is just not going to work. And so I need to move on. So I created a process of how to move on. Right. And the good thing is I have a master's degree in counseling. I have a master's degree extension in mental health counseling. I'm now a certified coach, right? Just finished my certification. So it was relatively easy for me to create a process because this is what I would do for others, right? And so I created this process that I later called the SSS approach. And that's how I was able to get over this ex very quickly and get back into the dating scene, be successful in the dating scene, um, find my partner, not boyfriend, partner, and we were engaged to be married, I want to say a year and a half later, and then married a year after that. Congratulations on Thank all you. of that and your business. Thank you. 
thing I noticed about you first and why this completely makes sense for what you do is you carry an aura of confidence. And if somebody's going to be talking to a coach, they want to see them be confident and you don't lack that at all. Have you always had that or is your struggles kind of helped you gain that along the way? So it's so funny that you asked me that because someone literally just asked me this a week ago and the response was long. So I forgive me in advance. Okay. It's all good. So it all started. <laughs> well, <laughs> I come, I come from a Caribbean background. And so um, if anyone is familiar with Caribbean culture, they're hardworking people, right? I'm, I mean, I'm sure like all people are hardworking people, Caribbean people. Like there's like a joke. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with, um, it was a 90s comedy sketch show called In Living Color. Yes, I love And it. there was a Jamaican it. character and he says, I have three jobs. Like, it's like a joke in the Caribbean community where you have lots and lots of jobs. Like we're hardworking people. So I come from that background and my parents always pushed for more and excellence. And even though they didn't shower me with love, like which we're not known for culturally, right? Um, my mom did better over the years, but it's not like a whole bunch of hugs and kisses and I love you and you're doing a fantastic job. It's, mm -hmm. you could have done better. You got a mm -hmm. 90, why didn't you get a hundred? Mm -hmm. Why are you letting these other kids beat you out? You're smarter than them, right? So it's always been this push for greatness. So that's the, uh, the cultural element. Once I started going to school, I went to school at a gifted and talented um, school, elementary and junior high. And again, it's that same push where everyone's bright. Mm. So the cool kids are the smart ones, which is very different than what you hear classically, right? At your average yeah. public school. Mm. And you're a bum and you're useless if you're not doing well. And the teachers then gave the emotional support of, Allison, you're so bright, you're doing so well. Your handwriting is fantastic, which matters in elementary school back in the days, right? Um, one time, a fifth, my fifth grade teacher told me I write like a teacher. And mm -hmm. I remember that. And I think that also was a part of the spark of me getting into education. But being encouraged by my teachers that I'm smart and I'm worthy and all that kind of good stuff. And then, the, again, the push for greatness from my classmates as well as at home. Now I went to high school. And in New York City, at, back in 2000, when I applied for high school, because you have to apply in New York City, um, they have a very strange system. It's like a lottery. And so just because you do well academically does not mean that you're going to go to a high performing school. And unfortunately or fortunately for me, I did not get into any school, even though I was a high performer, I ended up going to my zone school. But the beautiful part of that is because I went to my zone school, which was more of a traditional public school, most of the kids were lower performers and I was a star a star. And I mean, I had like an 87 average. It wasn't even all that. I didn't, I didn't even work very hard. Like I just showed up, but in comparison to a lot of my classmates, I was it. And the, the teachers praised me. So then that, now that's building confidence. You know, Allison's so smart. She's so amazing. I was my class president. I was the, the, uh, the captain of my cheerleading team, the captain of my handball team. So the adults in my life prepared me and built this confidence in me so now you can't tell me nothing. Like everyone has been saying my whole life, I'm smart. Everyone's been saying my whole life, I'm going to be successful. They fed that into me. And by default, I believed it, which is why I'm here, which is why I was able to pivot and say, I'm afraid about my nine to five. I know I have a skill set. I'm just obviously too in it to see it. Mm. Let me ask others. Once I got attached to an idea that sounded good, I ran with it. And now we're a year later. My business is thriving. I'm helping tons of clients. The testimonials on my Instagram. I have a client who's engaged. I and this is within a year. 
have another client who's engaged in having her first child. So the testimonials are building. I have folks who haven't dated for years who are having fun back in the dating scene again. And I hope eventually over time, I'll get more engagements and more weddings and more babies and more properties and all that kind of good stuff. So that is the story of my confidence. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes complete sense. I definitely get that. And I found you because of your Instagram page. And yes, there are many, many dating and relationship coaches or people who claim they are, right? And I stumbled upon your page and I, I felt it more with yours. And I saw the testimonials. I saw who you were. And that's when I reached out. I was like, I got to have you on here. I was like, this mm -hmm. is, this is perfect. Cause there are questions I, I have to ask you based on almost kind of like where I am in life, where there's a mm. lot of people in life that just need to ask the right questions. I'm just yep. going to myself as kind of a Guinea pig, but to go back to the job you're doing, the testimonials you have, you're kicking ass. It shows you found your passion. You find where you're supposed to be. And that, that has to feel so good to know that you found your niche. And that was great advice, honestly, from whoever that teacher was about being a life coach, like mm -hmm. you found your alley and now you're speaking to that and you're thriving in that lane. So bravo, that's really cool. And you know, it's really nice that you have like the credentials as well to back it up. You are very educated with the degrees you have. And I'm curious to know, how does um, one become certified as a coach, how does that happen? So, so let me tell you, ironically, some of the most popular, I think one of them might be a billionaire at this point, um, life coaches that we all know, I'm not going to say the names, I want to get sued, are not actually certified. And so the certification itself, I don't know how much it really helps to, to give results per se, but I will know that for me, education is super important. And I don't want anyone getting into any kind of program with me or with anybody else, unless they feel confident this person has the tools, right? And so the coaching program that I signed up for that got me certified, gave me those tools. But it's actually quite easy. And to be honest with you, I think I, I use a lot more from my master's program in counseling than I actually do in my certification. I kind of got my certification because I wanted it so that I felt like I had some backing and I had something to say, well, in comparison to others. But in terms of like practical application, I think that my master's program probably prepared me more. But all I did was Google. I Googled um, life coaching programs. That's it. And I did some research. I, you know, continued to look at the institutions, the schools. I guess they can call them schools by definition. But it's a certification program. It's not a licensure. So a licensure says... I am licensed to practice in a particular state. Our certification says I have completed a program and there are lots of um, even coaching entities that give that certificate, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I Googled it, I found an affordable program that, um, that seemed to have great reviews and testimonials and I moved forward. It really wasn't difficult, but like I said, I don't believe that, and, and this is not that, I'm not saying that you should not get certifications. You should. It helps. But I don't think that that's what has helped me get the mm -hmm. results that I've gotten. I think it has more to do with the master's program. Definitely understandable. And for people who are listening right now that are probably like, I can't wait to check this girl out. I'm just going to go ahead and pop your stuff right now. So it's <laughs> alignwithallison.com. Allison with one L, alignwithallison.com. And 
keep going. Keep pumping everywhere you are right now. Cause I think, people, oh, okay. So just, um, I think I they am... hear you and they're like, okay, I need to check this girl out. Go ahead and we'll do this now, but don't do this while you're driving people. <laughs> okay. So I'm at align with Allison, A L I G N with Allison, A L I S O N on everything on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, on clubhouse, on everything. But Really, my passion is Instagram. I hope Instagram never disappears like Sconex did because it, I, I just love the platform and that's where I'm the most active. Mm -hmm. um, I do live streams three times a week. One is actually today on Wednesday and um, I do a Q&A and then I also have guests that talk about all different elements of life and relationships because it's not only about romantic relationships, it's also the familial ones, our friendships. And so I have guests that come on and... That's me. I'm here. I'm transparent. Like what you see is absolutely what you get. Yeah. It is really refreshing when, you know, you follow someone on Instagram, you look at their videos. Like I like to study up before I have a podcast and it's like, you are the same exact person. You're just, we're just talking now, which I think is wonderful and fantastic. Um, I will say I checked out your website and you want to revolutionize the way individuals find the partner they deserve. Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's heavy because yeah. it's not just finding a partner, it's finding a partner they deserve. Can you dive well, into that a little bit? Yes, yes. I actually want to tell you a secret and I've only told this secret to like one other person. Okay, so you're very special, Ryan. <laughs> um, I'm act that's actually a play on words. And so when people read it and receive it, they read it as, oh, she's going to help me find a great person. No, I'm going to help you find the person that you deserve. And that deserve may not be a good deserve. <laughs> so let's go through my process, right, of making you the best version of you so that you can find the partner that you believe that you deserve, because that's not necessarily the, the right and or the same thing. A lot of people have a laundry list of these characteristics that they're looking for in a partner, and they don't have those things or they can't complement them. You don't have to be an exact match. And especially in heterosexual relationships, like men are different from women and we should be, and we should be complimenting. So it doesn't have to be an exact match of what you're looking for, but you should either have it or you should be able to compliment it. And a lot of people are asking for things they don't have or things that they can't compliment. So a significant portion of my program is talking about the individual. It's a reflection on where you went wrong in your former relationship. So you don't bring that crap into the new ones. It's talking about what are some of the characteristics about you that's undesirable. So when you say, oh, there are no good men out there, there are no good women out there, they probably are and they're walking right past you because you stink. They're getting an energy <laughs> of you, Love right? It. Like they're getting this energy off of you of, of just, they don't want to talk to you. You have a screw face on, your arms are crossed, you're huffing and puffing, you're always in a rush. Then how are folks supposed to approach you when you're coming off with this nasty energy? So the partner you deserve is, is actually like an inside joke for me. Whereas I'm gonna help you find the partner you deserve. The question is, do you want to become a better version of yourself so you can get the partner that you believe that you deserve? That is, I, I'm like speechless at the moment because that is freaking awesome. I absolutely love that. And you're like what a coach should be, you know, like cut through the BS. I'm gonna tell you how it is, period. And mm -hmm. we're gonna fix the issues that you have. Yep. That's honestly, I love it that's the kind of coach we all need in life, whether it's <laughs> dating or anything else, you know, like fitness, um, it's love it. That's why I had you on here period. 
Now, a question <laughs> I like to ask a dating coach just to get their opinion on is, do you believe in soulmates? No, I do not believe that there is one person on this earth that's made for you. I just don't think I'm a Christian and I don't think that God would put us in a position that if we miss the boat one time, that is the end of it for us. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that my one soulmate is in the Amazon. Like how am I ever going to find him? That's just not practical. Right? So I do think that there are lots of people on earth that you could find who would help to create an amazing, fulfilling life. I don't think there's only one person on earth for you. Absolutely not. I agree with that. I just wanted to get your feedback on that. And um, for somebody that's been through the struggle, what was the most important trait to you when looking for that person you deserved? What was the most important for, for you? So I cannot say it's one thing. And what I recommend to my clients and I talk in my coaching program, my, my social media, I talk about five to six non-negotiables. So there should be five to six behavioral or characteristics or traits that you are looking for in a partner that you will not waver on, right? And so I wrote down my five, and this is where I got the idea back in 2012, so I was in my 20s and I was having a conversation with a married gentleman who was in his 40s. So he had more experience, right, than mm -hmm. me. And I was complaining about the guy that I was seeing at the time. And he said, well, Allison, what are you looking for? And I said, oh, I don't know. That's a good question, right? And so from there, I, I was in the classroom at the time I was teaching. I grabbed, well, the kids were, I was on a prep. Like the kids weren't in the room. <laughs> but I grabbed a piece of loose leaf paper from somebody's notebook and a pen. And I wrote down the things that I was looking for. And I just made a list of five because I wanted to be practical, right? We're not doing a laundry list of this perfect person that does not exist on earth. Perfect for you, but not perfect as a human being. And I wrote down a list of five things. So I'll share with you at the top of my head if I remember what they are. One of them I know I put affectionate. It's really important that the person that I'm with is affectionate. That's how I appreciate and receive love through hugs and kisses and taps on the butt when we're in the kitchen and all that kind of good stuff. So that's your love I, language then. Yes, that's my love language, right? Uh, touch. So affectionate, uh, hardworking. So go back to the cultural elements, right? That's something I value. So I, and I mean that. I don't care if you come from money. So money is not the issue. If you come from money and you lay on the couch and you play video games all day, I'm not going to respect you as a man. So hardworking, um, having a backbone, right? So I, like the way that I define masculinity would be someone that I cannot walk all over. Mm. And I need you, and not to put me in my place. I'm not an animal. And I hate that term. Like, I need someone to put me in my place. I'm not a child. I'm not an animal. But someone that I respect, that I know that if I follow their lead, they're not going to lead me into a ditch. So backbone. So those are the three that I remember. Affectionate, hardworking, backbone. And then I had, oh, attractive. Attractive was on there. Let's be real. And I can't remember the fifth one. Let's but. be real. Attraction matters. It really matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's kind of, kind of how you get into the swipe left, swipe right whole thing now with online dating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, online dating is, is that the majority of what the, the way that people meet nowadays, would you say is online dating? Um, what are your thoughts with that? And what are your thoughts just overall with online dating and the dating apps? Mm -hmm. So I am a fan of dating apps. I don't think that's how people are meeting over minus COVID. So if we were talking, you know, January of 2020, I would say that's not the majority. I would say now because of COVID, we're not out as much. So by default, 
I'm thinking a lot more relationships are starting that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a huge fan of dating apps and they work. Anyone who tells you that they don't work is not working it. Right. I think that's like from I think I've stolen this from Alcoholics Anonymous, like work the steps or whatever it is like the apps work if you work them. If you don't work them, they won't work. Every diet works. Keto works. The South Beach diet works. Everything works if you work it. But we can't say that we go on an app for two weeks and then we get some creepy message. Somebody wants us to take a picture of our feet or something creepy. Right. And then we delete the app and say apps don't work. I am sure that in our regular life, we've been approached and someone has said something creepy to us in person and we don't say, oh, in-person dating doesn't work. I'm never going to do it again, right? I'm sure that we've met people in real life. I call it organic dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't worked. It, you broke up and you didn't say organic dating doesn't work. So this idea that we're going to dismiss dating apps because it didn't work for you in three months or six months is impractical. You wouldn't do that for organic dating. So why would you do it for online dating? That's number one. Number two, your dating profile probably sucks. And that's why you're attracting the wrong people. You don't have clear photos of yourself. They're overly filtered or you, no offense, Ryan, you have a hat on in every photo. <laughs> um, you're posting photos from 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when you were slimmer or bigger or whatever that is the more attractive version of you. That's why you chose the photo from 10 years ago. Um, you have no photos on your profile, which I find a lot of men do, which is weird like post photos how are we going to know whether or not there's at least an initial attraction Mm. for me to click the profile to read Mm -hmm. um all the wrong photos photos of your dogs photos of like uh, your interests that have nothing to do with i want to see you Mm -hmm. not being clear about what you're looking for and this is particularly well for both men and women but i'll tell you how it manifests in women not being clear about what you want so you are looking for a significant long-term relationship that leads to marriage and you say friendship or you click on, um, you know, a go with the flow kind of response. And then you're surprised when you get go with the flow types of people. And then you want to call them F boys. No, you're an F girl because you did not make it clear about what you were looking for. Right. Your audience knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. Good. (laughs) I certainly (laughs) Um, do. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Good. Yes. 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 So that's for women, right? Not, not being forthcoming men can sometimes, and this is Again, you said generalities or generalities is not everybody. Yep. For men, it manifests in not answering the question at all. Mm-hmm. So when it gets to the point of uh, what are you looking for, leaving it blank. When it gets to do you want children, leaving it blank. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting other people's time and answer honestly. Oh, well, you know, the girls, they won't like me if I put that I don't want kids. Okay, so then they'll like you. You'll date them. They'll ask you a year in. You say no. And now you're heartbroken and you're mad at the world and you're jaded. You set yourself up for failure. Stop doing that. There are plenty of women who don't want more children, can't have children. Be honest. And that's one of the problems with online dating is a lack of transparency. I'm not even talking about catfishing. I'm just talking about people not being honest with themselves and not being honest on the apps. The apps work. You got to work them. I am smiling and I would clap too if uh, it didn't ruin the audio. I agree with everything you said. I am familiar with online dating. I had many, many struggles with dating and you are the coach. But one thing that kind of caught my eye 
was like the vibe and the positivity mm-hmm. that someone had in their profile and not acting jaded. I don't want this. And I don't want yep. that. There's all the negativity in it. It was like, yep. well, I don't really want to meet you. Give me somebody who's going to make me smile and laugh and is excited to meet me and not like I'm hesitant. I don't know where this is going to go. I've been screwed over so many times. And, mm-hmm. you know, bringing that into it immediately is kind of like a, a swipe left, no matter like how attractive you are, or how cool your dog is, you know? Yep. I agree with, with everything that you said. Hey, out of curiosity, do you have like a favorite app and or a website and or ones that you just kind of would dislike from the get-go? So I famously tell people that I do not have an answer for that. And the reason why I don't have an answer for that, and then I'm going to give you an answer, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have an answer for that is because apps are created for its intended audience. And so a great app for you, Ryan, upstate New York may be a terrible app for me as a black woman in New York City. Right. Mm -hmm. And definitely in Florida and Texas and all other places. So what I tell people is to do some work and they're lazy and they don't want to do it. However, they expect love to fall into their lap. This is not Cinderella. Doesn't work like that. Google it. Which and I tell people to Google it based on demographics. So you're going to Google top 10 apps in New York City, top 10 apps in L.A., top 10 apps in Dallas, because the popping apps in Dallas may not be the popping apps in New York. Right. So first we start with where you're located, because that's going to be a make or break. You can find a great person again. If they're in the Amazon, it's not going to (laughs) work. So location. Then the next thing that I recommend people do is if race matters to you or if religion matters to you, you're then going to take that top 10 for your location. And then you're going to Google is Bumble a Christian app or Mm -hmm. how many Christians are on, how many black people are on, how many Asian people are on. Right. And their demographics exist. Like they will tell you a percentage of the people on the app that identify as Christian or Jewish or whatever, right? If that matters, if it doesn't matter, you're gonna skip that step. The next thing that's a super must is, again, you're gonna take the top 10 from your location. If race or religion matter, you'll filter that. And then you're gonna take your final ones and you're gonna Google what is the average age of the person on that app? Hmm. And it will tell you. So an app that I do like to answer your question, And that's a generality for me as a black woman who's 34 in New York City would be Coffee Meets Bagel. I like Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, I think it's cute. I like the structure. I know people who have been successful on it, right? Um, And usually people are more serious on Coffee Meets Bagel than you would find on Plenty of Fish. Mm. Barf, no Plenty of Fish. If you're looking for something serious, to go back to every app is great for its intended audience. The intended Mm. audience of of plenty of fish are people who are looking for hookups. So it's a great app for them, but we're talking about long-term stuff. So, um, but the, the problem, problem in quotation marks with coffee meets bagel is that the average age of a person on that app is 34. How do I know that? I Googled it. It's not from my expertise other than having fingers and the internet. So I have a client who's 57. I would tell her that coffee meets bagel is not a good app for her. So to answer, to, to not answer your question is I cannot answer that question because it depends on your location. It depends on the demographics of the person you're looking for. And it depends on your age. But generally I do like coffee meets bagel for someone who fits my demographic. I do like Bumble for women. Now, let me tell you how I get, I can't even say that and just put a period at the end of that. (laughs) It works well for women in my opinion, because for Bumble, for those who don't know, women have to initiate the connection. 
men cannot message women. Women have to initiate. And then from there, they engage and hopefully move forward, right? I think that's amazing for women, especially women who, according to society standards, might be like extra pretty, right? Because women tend to be bombarded with messages on dating apps. Sometimes they're inappropriate, which when where you are to your point, Ryan, when you said, um, like, oh, I'm not looking for like that negative stuff. It's because they've been bombarded with inappropriate pictures, requests of pictures, requests for pictures of their feet, all kinds of weird stuff. So if you are a person who is tired of being bombarded with that kind of imagery and, and like sexually inappropriate messaging early in the game, Bumble is a great fit because now you get to do the vetting before you reach out. And that's going to like exponentially decrease the amount of messages you're going to get because you're the one who's doing the initiating, right? However, that's why I said I can't just end with a period. There's some women who are super traditional and they're saying, I am not sending a message to a guy. I am not initiating, which I disagree with, but this is your belief and your system. And so do you, right? But if you strongly disagree with the idea that women should ever initiate conversation, then Bumble's not a good app for you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, not a lot, 30 minutes of research that one should do in order to figure out what is an appropriate app for them. So that is the long-winded response to your question. Sorry, Ryan. No, that's absolutely great because that makes complete sense. You know, if you're going to spend time and energy, you want to try to set yourself up for success. You know, you don't want to fish in a lake that has no fish in it, you know? And um, as far as Bumble goes, I'm going back in my mind to my experiences on Bumble. I will say, I am glad. It sounds like you empower women to take the first step if and when necessary. I am very, very happy to hear that. And I can only speak for myself, but I honestly truly enjoyed that because when a woman messaged me, I was like, okay, she's got to be interested. Like it made me pretty happy. And it is funny. Like I would connect with a lot of women and they wouldn't say anything. And the time would tick away. And I was like, well, what, the hell was the point of connecting? I was really looking forward to you saying hi. And I can't, I literally cannot say hi to you. Right. Right. That was frustrating. So women, I can only speak for myself, but take the step and say, hello. Nothing bad is going to come from just saying hi and initiating the conversation. It shows confidence too. And I love that. So let me tell you why I'm going to tell you why they didn't say anything. Um, This I usually see with men, but but this is interesting. I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I haven't heard this. I haven't heard this complaint from men. What I find is that men look at profiles. They do not read. People do not read. People do not read. (laughs) But men particularly will not read the profile. They look at the photos. They see a pretty face. They say hi. They might copy and paste the message. They cast a wide net and send it out. And then they see who responds. Mm -hmm. When the few women who do respond respond, that's when they then click the profile They'll check it out. And if the woman says something that's a turnoff for them, right, wrong, or indifferent, then they don't respond at all. So chicks are saying the same thing as you. Well, why the hell would you say hi to me when I respond to you, say nothing back? It's because they didn't read the profile. So they didn't see when they initially sent you the message that you wanted children. Maybe they don't, or that you don't want children. Maybe they did. They didn't read how you felt about marriage. They didn't read about your interests. They didn't look at your location. They didn't look at shit. All they did was saw a pretty face, sent a message. And then now, you're feeling rejected because these people are not taking the time to read. Hmm. I tell my clients, please read, please read. Do not waste your time. Do not waste the other people's time. See if there's something on the profile that meshes with you. 
See if there's something that is like drastically a big no-no. And that's what we go back to those non-negotiables. Before you go on the dating scene, either offline or online, you need to have a clear vision as to what you're looking for. So that when you go on the dating scene, you know how to eliminate, right? Those who are an inappropriate match. If you have a clear vision that I need someone who is, some, some of those things you won't be able to tell initially, right? right? Like affectionate. Like you shouldn't be squeezing my butt when I shake your hand. Right. But stuff like... Um, if let's say well-spoken is a non-negotiable for you, right? I'm getting on the phone with you and it's a whole bunch of, uh, but mm, I don't know. Like then you, you're right. And then now, you know, elimination. You need to know exactly what you're looking for so that you can figure out whether or not someone's an appropriate match early in the game. And when you figure it out early in the game, it will help to alleviate some of that frustration because you're not wasting weeks on someone and then just falling into the fact that they're not an appropriate match, you're reading their profile and telling them they're not an appropriate match and saving you and saving them. Bravo. We, we are so in sync on everything that you're saying. And, you know, I will say like when dating apps first came out, you know, perhaps my profile was a little weak, was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wonderful, but I, you know, started to get tired of just wasting my time. And I was like the last few years that I was on a dating app, it was like, I was pretty like, this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. And I'm proud of it. I'm confident. Um, it's all that back work I did in myself. Um, you know what I deserve. Um, and so, yeah, so I would say anybody take the time you're right, read the profile, but also set the profile up properly for what you're looking for. And what are your thoughts on, having a phone conversation before actually meeting up. Cause I was a big fan of that. My best dates were with somebody that I spoke to for maybe even just 10 or 15 minutes, just to say, hello, get the weird stuff out of the way. You kind of get the going back and forth and it builds the anticipation a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's a must. And actually I would um, increase that too. I want to see a, a video. Like I want a phone conference video if it's through FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever. I want to see that Ryan looks like Ryan. Mm -hmm. Like I need to know that that is you. And, and, and honestly, this comes from a safety perspective and a, avoiding wasting time. And, and again, maybe I'm being a little bit sexist. I'm speaking from the woman's perspective, but I'm not meeting up with some guy that I don't know what he looks like. That's just not safe. So that's number one. And then number two, I want to make sure that you look as handsome as I think that you do. And I would like to, to think that you want to see me and make sure that I'm just as beautiful as you think I am, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I want a video conference. I want to see your face and it needs to be lit. I've watched enough episodes of Catfish <laughs> where I am not going to be a fool. And it's so funny because one of the hosts, um, I think it's Neve, he said on a post a couple months ago, like, how do I have another season? Like, how are you guys still falling? That's this? great. Yeah, I wonder that too. I, I... <laughs> Even the yeah. host who's making, I'm sure, probably, I don't know, like a million dollars an episode. Right. Like, come on, y'all. At some point, we need to be having video conferences. There's Zoom. There's no reason why you shouldn't know what someone looks like before you meet with them. Mm -hmm. So yes to phone, because I do want to get to know you and build some kind of foundation before we go out. And then just for my general safety, I want to get a feel for who you are. And I want to see you for my safety and see you for my own, I don't know, confidence. And I want you to see me. And I want to make sure that we're all on the same page because I don't want to get on the date. And then it's like, man, she's skinnier than what I thought. Or she's fatter than what I thought. Nope. Like, let's make it clear. This is what mm -hmm. I look like. So there's no confusion. And I can walk into that restaurant with confidence and not thinking, 
oh no, he thinks that my butt is actually bigger than what it is or smaller than what it is or breasts or whatever, you know, no confusion, mm-hmm. having confidence. We're on the same page. I agree so much. And I will say that my best dates were when I actually had conversations like that video and or phone um, conversations, because you got rid of all of that curiosities because, you know, when you first meet somebody, you're almost like in somewhat of like a state of shock, if you will, of mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, hold on. Are they what they, what I thought they look like or, you know, how they dress in and how they talking and they're not carrying a conversation very well. And then you're not really focusing on having fun. You're so concerned about mm-hmm. small details you could have taken you know, you could have done that already. And, um, you know, so I will say we'll start in a moment to get into the uh, questions as far as being in a relationship. But I will say that, yes, I've had my struggles. I documented some of them on this podcast about dating and online dating. And uh, because of one of my earlier episodes, one of my good buddies was like, hey, I think I'm going to finally join online dating. I'm going to join at match.com. I was like, oh, hold on, let's have a conversation about this. We'll do an episode about how you're going to set up a profile about that from a guy's perspective. And I said, at the end of the episode, I said, listen, because you're going to do this, I swore I'd never get back on match again. I was like, I'll get on match. We can record another conversation afterwards and our experiences, what we learned, what we liked, what we didn't like. A week week later, I ended up meeting the girl who I'm dating now and I have every intention on marrying Yay. Yeah, it is just, uh, it's funny how things work out. I definitely, I had some success with match and then I had a lot of frustrations with match. It is, you know, let's be real too. A lot of it is just kind of like timing and finding that person that just happened to be on the same time I was on. Yep. Her profile was spot on, bam, fit me. She took the time to write it. I can't stand getting on match. And it's just like, you have two sentences. It's like, do you care? Do you, do you care? I don't see effort. It makes me not want to put effort in, you know? So her profile led to me writing an immediate email, which I think probably two days later we were texting and then a phone call and then the first date. And then it was since then, boom, just off and running. So Great. Yeah. So I will say there are success stories. I had a ton of negative I don't know, feedback and comments and all that from the online dating. It jaded me for quite a while. And then I gave it another shot. I hung in there, stick to your guns, stick to your standards, hold your values. Um, and you will find what you're looking for. And uh, so Ryan, let me ask you, Yeah. did you try organic dating? Like, were you approaching women on a weekend basis? So how did you know who to approach? Like, how did you make a decision that, okay, I'm going (laughs) to walk up to this girl at this bar or in this coffee shop? I didn't know. Um, it just became one of those things where I would say in my early thirties, one of those things I really started to work on was like, I was always decently confident, but I was never confident enough to like start approaching people or having conversations with strangers. I was always kind of nervous about that. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I just started to practice. And yes, I am from upstate New York, but I'm living in the South in Raleigh, North Carolina. And one of the differences that I noticed here was in New York, people get married later. They're more career Mm -hmm. focused, moving to the South. People are getting married at 22 or 23. And I was like, what is going on here? So I cannot tell you how many women I approached 
that would have boyfriends were married. I, I started, I was like, okay, I, I need to look for rings <laughs> because I was failing to do that right from the get go. Yep. And uh, yeah, so there was a lot of times where I would approach a woman and they were already in a relationship. Just that's just how the South works a lot. Yes. Um, being single, you know, in the mid thirties is kind of difficult to admit or thirties. Um, and as far as like, honestly, it was, um, if I saw them being attractive and one thing that I would also notice is like, do I see this person? Like I go to the gym, I'd be like, okay, they're active. I do see them frequent here. So maybe we have Mm -hmm. kind of like a, of a recognition of each other. You've seen me here. I've seen you here. Um, but then the whole approaching of the gym thing is difficult because you got their headphones on and some girls just, and they feel, to be and they, we feel like sweaty. We don't yeah. feel good about ourselves in that moment. Yeah, exactly. Which, which I completely understand. But as a guy, it's like, one, you look good. The yoga pants look awesome on you Two, <laughs> You're athletic, which is important to me. And so, right. you know, and three, it's like, this is my opportunity to approach you. I don't know where else I'm ever going to see you, but, uh, I definitely get from a girl's perspective that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, first things first is like, am I attracted to you? And if I'm attracted to you, do I like the way you're carrying yourself, your body language? Are you smiling? Are you happy? Um, Uh all that stuff. And it, I, I, I mean, thank, thankful beyond thankful I'm in a relationship, but like, I still would have an issue, I guess, somewhat of approaching a one girl that I wanted to talk to in a group of females. That was something I never could really because it's like she'll end up being the one who's taken and her friends are single but it's like i didn't have the interest in your friends i don't know yep. how to work that so i don't know mm-hmm. if you want to comment on that situation or i'd love to yes i tell women all the time like please do not go out if you're looking to be approached do not go out in packs mm-hmm. like don't go out in packs um i try to give a very terrible foot football analogy so you will help me uh, Ryan. So the girl you want is the quarterback. Her friends are the linemen, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Nobody wants to break through the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the, the offensive line. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nobody wants to break through that. Like, <laughs> so guess what? Now the quarterback, the ideal girl is she's not going to be approached because who wants the headache of having to break through the offensive line to get to you? Mm. I advise women Go out either by yourself or with a good wing woman. I understand mm-hmm. not going out by yourself because you might, might not feel safe. A good wing woman. If you are in a group, you will probably not be approached. Mm. And this is why. And you have solidified this. So I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. So the gentlemen are not going to feel comfortable walking up to a large group because if they get rejected, now they're being rejected in front of seven women who are all laughing and pointing, right? Mm-hmm. At least in the worst case scenario. And that's not a terrible scenario. I can imagine that. It's not like outlandish or he walks over to the woman and it's ladies night. Sorry. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Or you have the friend who's you're not interested in, who's the cop blocker and she's a hater. Right. And she's like, uh, 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 and no, 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 you're not again, an embarrassment. Uh, another scenario is that you want to get access to that chick. And then the expectation, cause there's always one who says, well, you got to buy all of us drinks. So now I'm spending a hundred dollars on drinks to buy the one chick that I want. No, you go out as a woman yourself or yourself and a good wing woman. Again, you have that energy that I I talk about. You just said it, Ryan, the openness, the smile, the chest is up, right? You don't have your back to everyone. You're not 
arms folded in New York City. You don't have the screw face. That's our classic face of leave me the F alone, right? You have to fix all of that so that you are approachable. So someone reads your energy and says, she looks like someone that if I walked up to, she would not slap me. Mm. Make yourself approachable. You're with a good wing woman. And I say good wing woman because again, we don't want the cock blocker. We don't want the hater. We don't want the friend who's going through a divorce. And so she's crying at the bar. And so it's like, well, how am I going to be approachable when I have to console my crying, pathetic, drunk friend, right? She also can't be drunk. You need someone who's going to be mindful of her space. You don't have to care and take care of her while you're trying to get picked up. Like you, this is what you need to do as a woman to be approached in public. Mm. So everything that you said is spot on. Do not go out with the pack. The men are not, the men you want are not going to approach you. The weirdos, the ones who think they're so suave, the corny ones are the ones who are going to approach the pack because they have this false sense of confidence and then they're going to get laughed away. Uh, Yeah, I, I can't agree with you enough. And yeah, if you go out like by yourself or like some of the conversations I would have honestly is like at Target or like home goods or something like that. Because mm. it's like, you know, this girl's just out solo doing her thing. She looks pretty. I want to have a conversation. I'm, I'm going to have a, an easier time approaching somebody who is in an aisle looking for the same things that I'm looking at. This yep. is with five friends at a bar and you just don't want to fall flat in your face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather have, plus I really do better with one-on-one conversations um, rather than, Hey ladies, how's it going? And you're talking to all these people that you're kind of somewhat not interested. I know you want to, I know you want to impress her friends, but, uh, I'm better with the one-on-one conversation. And, and honestly, another thing with, with location, as far as like being in the South, being in the South, women are way, way more traditional. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I hate that. I genuinely hate that because I have zero hint that I should be approaching this girl at all. And so I will say to take a a page out of the Matthew Hussey book. And I, Matthew Hussey is one of my, he's one of my guys um, Mm -hmm. where he drops this. He, he encourages women to drop the handkerchief or drop a hint, smile, give something, something. So we know, okay, I can approach you now, yep. even if it goes nowhere, I still felt comfortable doing that. So, right. I, oh man, this is taking me back. <laughs> the memories, the memories. And uh, I don't know if you want to add on that, but uh, I was just saying. No, that's it. Drop the handkerchief. I tell women that they should say hello. It's okay to say hello. It is. It, and just because, you know, the guy didn't approach you, it's not because he wasn't interested Maybe he is a large room. It's dark, depending on where you are. He Maybe he really just didn't see you. Uh, maybe, again, he's concerned about being rejected. Maybe he's concerned about, well, someone so beautiful like you must be taken. I won't even bother her. Hmm. Go and say hello. It's okay. Now, I'm, I'm also not asking guys out on dates, especially the first date. I'm not doing that. So I'm not saying that we now have to become the men mm-hmm. in relationships, which is a big struggle, I think, in today's society of balancing tradition in modern times. I'm not going that far, but Mm -hmm. I will give this gentleman the impression that I have some interest. And then I expect him to then take it further from there. And I will say, if you are the woman that drops the hint, or if you are the woman that says, hello, guess what? You're going to stand out from everybody else that night. And I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you more than any woman that I approached because this woman sought me out. And that right. made me feel super special. And yeah. 
that doesn't happen. So for a woman to do that, it's like, Oh, that felt really good. You're boosting his ego. And so, yeah, I highly recommend that. Please don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Just say hello. And if it goes nowhere, it goes nowhere. You lost nothing. Yep. You lost nothing. And so we are get to we get to move on to the conversation that I am super happy to talk about as well is now that we are both in relationships you are ahead of me as far as being happily married and yes. I hope to be there one day and I do plan on being there one day with a girl I'm dating now Kristen I love you I'm just going to say her name and um <laughs> give her some love because another thing I'll tell a story real quick too is um, so we had a really good first date almost, this is almost a year ago. And genuinely we were, we were eating sushi and the check came and I said, stay right here. I legit left my wallet in the car, took it out of my pocket. I'll be right back. That sounds weird. I swear to God, I left it. She goes, I got this. You get me next time. And mm-hmm. I still remember that to this. Day. I was like, no girl has ever said that before. I was mm-hmm. like, that sense of confidence, that sense of like taking control was like, meanwhile, I've been on 50 first dates where <laughs> I'm the one always paying or the girls don't reciprocate or never say thank you, which is, oh God, don't get me started with that. Just show appreciation, you know? But this girl was like, don't worry. I got it. She could have let me go to the car and I would have grabbed the credit card and paid for it happily. And I still would have saw her again. But the fact that, mm-hmm. she did that and I still remember to this day, that was freaking awesome. I love her for that. And so since then, when you, you've, I'm sure you've had a conversation with her about the date. Did she tell you that, did she believe you? Like yes. she believed that you had the money. Yes. Yes. So, all right. All right. I would have, because I would be like, damn, this guy's lying. He's going to no. leave me with the check. Yeah, no, we, it was actually really, really good for, we had a ton of fun. I probably honestly would have left my phone or something on the table to prove uh-huh. I am coming back. And back. Not. Yeah. yeah, I would have left something there for her to be like, listen, you can trust me. It's almost like, I don't necessarily recommend this, but if a girl and a guy are out on a date and a girl's like, I have to go to the bathroom and she leaves her purse, it almost puts me at ease and kind of like, one, she trusts me, two, she's coming back. If yes, she yes, takes yes. that with her, it's like, we'll see how this goes in the next few minutes. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so now we are in a serious relationship. I am super happy with her. We've had some really good conversations. Honestly, this is the first person where I've felt completely open to talk about anything and everything is all on the table and we are in alignment. We are in alignment with Allison, right? Yes. And uh, so I want to kind of talk to you about what are some of the questions that people need to have before getting engaged and or marriage that perhaps people aren't having and or that may lead to like breakups or relationships not lasting as long or setting the wrong expectations. So Mm -hmm. this is why I really wanted to talk to you and I would love to get your feedback on that. Sure. So I think there really are some super basic questions that you should have clarity on or the answers you should have clarity on before taking those steps. So I want to know about what kind of lifestyle you want to lead. Like, what is your vision? Is it a nine to five? Is it entrepreneurship? Is there a pension? Uh, Do you want to uh, move as soon as this job is over? You want to live in the big city? You want to live in the suburbs? You want to backpack through Europe? You want to move to India? You want to live on a yacht in the Caribbean? Like, I need to know what is the vision that you have for your life? Because I need to know if my vision for my life aligns with yours, right? Mm -hmm. Another major question is having children and parenting techniques. Hmm. 
So you need to know whether or not the person that you're dating wants to have children, how many children they want to have, which I would say the average person wants to have children. The average person wants to have an average amount of children, right? Two, three max. Like we're not our parents. So it's not like a whole bunch of kids, but having that conversation, but more importantly than that, because the average person does what, like, what's your parenting technique? How did your parents parent you? And did you like that technique? And do you plan on replicating it? One of the big issues is like spanking or no spanking, right? Um, I've already told my husband that I believe in spanking. If this child, I, if I believe that this child understands the words that are coming out of my mouth and chooses to do something else, then it may be a pop pop or something, or it might be a full on spank on the butt. That is how I intend to parent. What are your thoughts? Mm. Like, no, I'm 100% against corporal punishment. Well, then we're going to have a really tough 18 years. And this might not be, these are actually conversations you should be having. Like, I would say date five, six, like we like each other and it's going in a decent direction. Parenting. I need to know how involved were your parents in your education and did you like it or not like it? So yeah, my mom was at every open school night and my dad stayed up late and helped me with my science fair project. And that's the kind of parent I wanna be. Good, because that's the kind of parent I wanna be. Oh no, my parents weren't involved and, and, and I was fine. You're not fine. And I was fine. And, um, and so I don't really believe in being too hands-on. Kids will figure it out. Mm. Mm, that doesn't work for me. My intention, Allison's intention is to be at every football game, every cheerleading practice, every dance recital, every band, like whatever my kid decides to do, I'm going to be at every single one of them, right? Everything. You're someone who says, ah, oh, we'll just drop them off or they'll get a ride with their parents. Mm -mm, that doesn't work for me. I'm going to be super hands-on. So talking about parenting styles is super important because that's going to cause conflict in your house for a minimum of 18 years. I don't want to go through hell for 18 years arguing about what we need to do about this kid. Nope. So that's a conversation that I think is not being had that needs to be had. So thoughts about marriage, um, th gender roles and responsibilities, right? So when, number one, do you believe in the sanctity of marriage? What are your thoughts about marriage? Um, you feel like it's something you just have to do because everybody else is doing it. Do you actually believe in the institution, blah, blah, blah. Then going on to gender roles, like what do you expect from a wife? What does it mean to be a wife? What does it mean to be a husband? Um, we're going to talk about generally finances, right? Like I'm not going to tell you my credit score on a fifth date, but I'm going to tell you that I'm a really responsible person and my credit score matters to me. I think it reflects my level of responsibility and I, these are my intentions and I want to invest and I want properties. And what are your thoughts? Right? I'm like, Oh, I never really thought about investment. I'll just live off my, I'll just live off of, um, what is it? Social security. What? Huh? That doesn't match my lifestyle. Right? So that goes back to the lifestyle conversation. How do you envision your future, where do you want to live? Uh, what does your life look like? If you're backpacking through Europe and then you're going to live in India to, to have a taste of every one of the spices, that's going to take you five years. That's not my vision. That's not going to work. And then parenting and parental styles. I know that was a lot. I'm sorry. No, th this is what this is absolutely great because I think you're right. Like, yes, I am in this boat right now as I'm getting closer and closer to engagement. Um, but I'm just using myself as someone as an example. I want people to listen to this and kind of put themselves in like my shoes and like, have I had these questions yet? Do I still need to talk about this? Because I feel like, 
in today's world with dating and online dating, so much of the conversation is on like first dates and meeting somebody, mm-hmm. not as much as is on how to make when you find that somebody successful, keep it successful, have mm-hmm. these tough conversations. So that way you kind of fix it. So, you know, you're set up for success moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like a lot of is just on just meeting somebody, let alone sustaining it. Yep. That's why I feel like all the advice you just gave is absolutely wonderful because there's probably a lot of people that are not having these tough, difficult, somewhat awkward conversations because they just don't want to deal with it. And then, you know, I know I wrote you in an email that, um, you know, I feel like people, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like people feel that weddings are like a fairy tale. I can't wait to propose and I can't wait to put the ring on the finger without really actually realizing the responsibility that comes with doing that. Yep. I do and forever and what that actually means. And it's just not going to be sustainable if you don't really actually set these expectations and have these conversations. Um, I agree. And uh, another question is, what are your thoughts on therapy before issues, before getting engaged or before marriage? Yeah, I think that uh, therapy or couples counseling is an excellent idea for people to use before things become problematic. I think that we should look at couples therapy, couples counseling as um, like your yearly checkup at the doctor. So you go to the doctor for your yearly checkup without anything being wrong with you, but just because society has convinced us, I guess the medical, the American Medical Association has told us that, you know, we should go and check our blood pressure and your weight and all that kind of stuff before things go wrong. I think mm-hmm. we should take the same approach when it comes to counseling, that you should do a check-in if it's every six months or every year before things go wrong. If you wait until things go wrong, And then many times people allow these things to build up. Now we're going into counseling and we're aggressive and we're angry and we're talking about things that happened seven years ago. I don't even remember that. Like, how are you going to hold me accountable for something I don't even remember? So absolutely, I believe that folks should go to counseling, uh, couples counseling, coaching, therapy, whatever it is, before things go wrong and regularly. And I'm a big fan of premarital counseling, which I know if you get married in the church, a lot of the churches require I think it's an excellent idea. There should be conversations around expectations before we jump the broom, before we do this potentially for the rest of our lives. And I feel like, you know, therapy in itself has a stigma, you know, let alone like these awkward conversations going to therapy. I feel like, well, that means something's wrong with me. And, you know, not necessarily, you know, because I don't know if she wants me to say this. Chris and I have, we have spoken to somebody once just purely based on communication. We don't really have any issues, but you know, we are two completely different people with two completely different backgrounds and history and the way we're brought up and the way we speak and the way we communicate. What Mm -hmm. she says, I interpret incorrectly sometimes and Mm -hmm. or how she says it or vice versa, you know? So I will say just a brief conversation about that has made things Mm -hmm. so much better. Just it's, oh, she says it like this, but she means this. Now it's like a translator and that has yes. made such a difference. I can't, I can't recommend that enough. I, I completely agree. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. Now, one thing I kind of want to talk about that uh, is the biggest issue I think with most couples is finances, right? Um, mm-hmm. How did like, I guess, 
talk about finances and then like when you do kind of, I guess, tie the knot, how to kind of bring that together properly. And I know it's, there's situations where the guy makes way more, way more, or maybe the girl is, you know, the, the breadwinner or, you know, fortunately myself and Kristen, we're, we're pretty successful. We do well for each other, which is one of the reasons I love her. I love her, her drive, her work ethic. Uh, I think I imagine that makes things a little easier when you're on equal kind of ground almost, but uh, mm-hmm. I would love to get your feedback. I'm going to stop talking here. I would love to get your feedback as far as the financial situation and perhaps, you know, how to alleviate that. Yeah. So if you're having a conversation about finances, um, when you're engaged, you're in trouble. Like these are conversations that should be happening casually while dating, even if not dating exclusively, um, and then should intensify when you are in a committed relationship and should be ironed out before, like before the ring is purchased, right? Because that's an investment within itself. So what does it look like casually? So when you are seeing other people and you're just having conversation, you should be talking about 401ks and stocks that you like. And I'm thinking about real estate and what are your thoughts about investment? Have you started at all? And um, you know, those are conversations you should be, you should be gauging how this person views finances. And even if you feel like, um, like teaching them, right? So when I met, when I met, I actually met my husband, when I was 18. But when I started dating my husband, I asked him about his 401k. He said, he didn't have one. I said, you're bugging. You need to go get one. Mm-hmm. And he got it in two weeks. And I got to tell you, he got created the account. And I have to tell you that that was one of the things that clicked in my mind. Like this guy listens. And I don't know if you know anything about women. We complain a lot and say that guys don't listen. Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he listens. He took action. I gave a suggestion, a lighthearted suggestion. Like, man, you're playing games. You 30 years old. You don't have a, you, you know, um, and he ran with it. And then every once in a while now he'll show me like, look, babe, I have this tens of thousands of dollars and, and he's excited about it and didn't even feel the difference because, you know, it comes out pre-tax. Mm-hmm. So having conversations around it, seeing how people respond to it, seeing what steps they've already taken, seeing what's missing. And if they're willing to step up and do what's right and open up a savings account, like, you know, a savings account, or they talk about, oh, man, I ain't paying that debt. What? Like, that's going to help you again, decide whether or not this person is an appropriate match. That's the, the casual way. Then when you guys are exclusive, you need to have transparent conversations. I told my husband when he was my boyfriend, my credit score, and he told me his, what is your credit score? I want to see it. Now we know that credit karma isn't the best, but it gives you a relative idea. I want to see it, pull it up. If I can have sex with you, I can know your credit score. Great point. And if you're not telling me, and this is not, I'm exchanging sex for credit scores, mm. but if we can have that level of intimacy, but you can't tell me what your credit score is, then this, this ain't gonna work. That's a great point. So um, I'm, I, need, I need to see it. And then if I'm not happy with the number, we're going to construct a plan together with your finances, not mine because we ain't married, of how you're going to save and which debts we're going to you know, challenge. And maybe we'll listen to some Dave Ramsey and we're going to do whatever the avalanche thing. And we're going to put a plan in place to help you to increase your credit score because we're dating exclusively. We're in our 30s. The intention is that we're going to get married, which means your debt is my debt. And I don't want that. And we have to buy a house together. And I don't want you pulling me down. I want us to lift each other up. So that's where the casual combo of you should consider then becomes where exclusive you need to have. And you, you may not say a blatantly like, 
Ryan, if you don't have X amount of dollars in your 401k, I'm not going to marry you. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be, babe, it would make me feel a lot more secure about our future if you had, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then before the ring goes on the finger, we make that investment because she's probably going to say yes, right? Um, then it needs to be, these are the goals that I have. So in the next three years, I want to be able to buy a house and this, you know, this, this is my dream home, or maybe it's, this is the starter home or this is the multifamily, whatever, right? That's around finances. You know, I, I, I've been doing some calculation, babe. And it says here, if I retire by 65, I'll have 1.5 million saved. And so this is, and what are your thoughts? And let me see your numbers before engagement. It needs to be what are your thoughts about a shared account? Do you want one account? That's the two of us together. Is your vision that we have a shared account which pays the bills and then we both have our own personal accounts where we can buy our knickknacks? Like what is your vision around how we manage our finances? When we buy the house, what is your vision around who's paying the mortgage versus? Talk about it. Make sure that we're on the same page. And I'm doing this, again, this is like two weeks before you put the deposit down the ring. Because I need to know before I buy this ring that we are on the same page, that the expectation is 60-40, it's 50-50, it's 100-0, like whatever it is. I need to know this. I don't want to be walking down the aisle and then talking about, babe, what, how do you think we should split the expenses? Split the expenses? You the man. You're supposed to be paying. Now what? <laughs> I love it. And I want to get to, I want to get to that in a moment as far as after marriage and combining money and fun money and all that stuff. Um, what I will say is I was fortunate enough to like have these conversations early. We're, we're both mature and it made us very comfortable. Um, I'm very happy that we had these conversations early. It set expectations. And I will say something that I recommend that has been wonderful for us, um, so far to watch it grow is that, um, we haven't combined accounts or anything yet, but uh, we like to take adventures. We like to take trips and we set up uh, an online account and every few weeks we put a portion of our paycheck in there. And so it kind of um, gives us incentive to take trips and adventures and it's already kind of paid for. You just take yes. it right out of there. So it's purely fun. It's not who's going to pay for that. This is getting expensive. I can't afford that. It's nope. We're both putting in the same amount. Let's just go have fun. That's what this yes. money is for. And at the same time, it's great practice as far as contributing money into an account for both of you. So okay. I highly recommend that. And um, yeah, so I'm curious from your expertise and experience after you get married, how do people combine money? What's the best way to do this? And let's just say like, as a guy, we already talked about football. I love my fantasy football. I want to put a few hundred dollars here. Uh, maybe go to the casino and go to blackjack. And I don't know, maybe my wife wants to be like, listen, I'm going out with the ladies and I'm going to go shopping and I'm getting a spa day and my hair done and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work from your experience and expertise? Mm-hmm. Um. I would say very similarly to your question about the dating apps, there's no hard and fast answer for that. I think it really just depends on what makes the couple the happiest and makes them feel like they're they're doing their fair share. Mm-hmm. Once both parties feel like they're doing their fair share, then who are we to judge? I can say what I think is the best way and that works for me and my husband and may not work for others is that we have a shared account 
where we contribute a percentage of our paycheck towards, and that covers all of our home expenses. Mm -hmm. So anything that's shared. So that's our house, that's the heat, that's the light, that's the water bill, um, house insurance. So everything that is a shared expense comes out of the shared account. Then we both have personal accounts that are separate from each other. And that's the money that we get to spend however we see fit. That way I'm not judging him when he buys the PS5 and saying, oh my God, you spent $500 on a stupid video game console. What about the mortgage? Like, nope, mm -hmm. we've calculated everything out. We know exactly what we're contributing to the shared account. We have it on auto pay. So the mortgage and all that kind of stuff is paid out. And then for our per personal use, right? Or our private bills. Like, so for instance, um, like our student loans are our student loans. That's how we see it. Some couples don't do that. And that works for them. Some of them say we together owe 50,000, even if one person owes 10 and the other person owes 40, we owe 50. So we're going to tackle the 50 together. That's not how we do it. We say we came into this marriage with this home and, and these ex shared expenses. So that's what we pay off. And then Allison pays off student loans and car note and blah, blah, blah. And Andrew, my husband, does student loans and car note, his car note for his car and whatever sneakers and whatever and my hair. And that's how we do it. That works for us. Other people have accounts where they don't have anything personal. It's 100% all in. And I get that you're going to be married forever. But for me, that's super scary. Um, I just need some small level of insurance. And some people might say, well, that means that you don't think you're hug. Look, I don't want to look at my husband sideways when he walks in with the, the next PS whatever. <laughs> I want to be able to know that our bills are paid. So if he wants to spend $700 on something that I think is a waste of money, who cares? Everything is covered, right? And then even within our shared account, we also have a shared savings. Hmm. So we then take, like you, take some of that money out every month after the bills are paid, put it in the savings account so that when we go on trips, it's paid for. Mm -hmm. That's how we do it. That sounds, that sounds like it would be up my alley. Um, but like you said, there's no one size fits all for relationships and, you know, people are going to make different, you know, the, the gap between salaries is going to be different in every relationship too. Um, I imagine that adds, adds to some complications or, you know, complexity with that issue sometimes, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, as long as the money's there for the necessities in life, it's almost like, well, I don't I honestly don't give a shit what you do with your money. If, right. And also at the same time, like you don't end up resentment either. Like if my wife wants to go buy these beautiful clothes or this dress that she really wants, it costs like a thousand bucks, like, but it's going to make her happy. Mm -hmm. you, you genuinely want her to be happy too at the same time. And it's one of those things, hey, you know, you worked hard for this. You deserve it. You've earned it. Right. So, things taken care of. Just, you know, go do what makes yep. you happy. That's absolutely fine. Um, and so I know we're talking finances and I know you've talked about like 401k and retirement and whatnot, something that I will be honest, I'm completely unfamiliar with. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't is that is a prenup. What mm. is a prenup? When does that come into play and who does that best serve maybe? So um, that's funny that you asked because I am not knowledgeable on my own. I actually did a live stream with a lawyer who does prenuptial agreements and asked her those questions. So what I'm going to say is what anyone could probably Google. It's an agreement that two parties who are about to be married, this is pre-nuptials, before the nuptials sign, that clearly outlines that in the case of a divorce, this is how we're going to split our assets. Hmm. So it's just a, a legally binding document that states before marriage 
how the couple intend to split their finances if there is indeed a divorce. The, I, I then learned, and I, I might be getting the term wrong, but this is Googleable. Um, there's a postnup. So you do have the ability to create a document. It may not be called postnuptials, but that's what it is. Um, that you can create a document that's legally binding after you're married. If someone like falls into money or whatever, and you're feeling a little uncomfortable about what could happen, that folks can create with a lawyer and sign. I would say a postnup is probably going to be a difficult thing to get unless both parties are in agreement. It's a pretty difficult topic to breach because prenup is like, hey, we're not married yet. So let's talk about if something happens postnup. I got money now and I might level up. So like, I think that's that's that would be quite difficult, but it does yeah. exist. For me, I think that, again, based on the couple, if someone really does come from a lot of money and the other person doesn't, I could understand wanting to protect yourself. I could also see the other person feeling like you don't believe this relationship is going to work out and that's why you want to sign it. Yeah. I really don't know how I would react if my husband when he at the time of course fiance would have said to me babe you know i'm gonna get this big payout you know and so i want to I, I don't know how i would react i understand both sides and mm -hmm. i honestly don't know how i would react yeah i haven't genuinely thought about that um it's just one of those kind of almost like it's almost like a taboo type of uh situation if you will um, but like I said, my, my girlfriend's a baller. She does well for herself. And I'm not definitely not concerned about that at all. But like you say, like you had mentioned a few moments ago, like, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are becoming engaged or getting serious that maybe one of them doesn't have a 401k and the other one's been saving for 20 years. And they're probably like, yeah, I've been working hard for this. <laughs> like, and you haven't done anything. So I imagine, there's people that are probably wondering about a prenup when the best time to do that is and, and uh, who is best served. But um, another question I had for you is I actually heard this answer. I watched over to your Instagram lives, but I'm going to ask it anyways, is living together before engagement and or marriage thoughts. Do you have any data as well on that as far as success? No data. No data, no data. Um, I think it's a good idea. I understand if others don't think so. I understand that some people are more traditional and they're thinking about like, why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free kind of thing, which I get. Um, however, I think that a test run of anything is going to give you a better idea whether or not something is an appropriate match. I wouldn't buy a car without a test drive, right? Like I wanna know what the experience is like. I'm gonna do a tour of the college campus before my kid signs up to go there. Like I wanna get a test. I mean, women get a bridal test and get their hair and makeup done before they before the wedding. So if you wanna test things out and that's like, that makes sense logically, testing things before purchasing or investing in it, then why would I not wanna test things out to move in together to see whether or not we can get along in the same space and see how you truly function day in and day out. I think that if uh, the gentleman, and this is assuming that the gentleman is asking for the woman's hand in marriage, if the gentleman is, um, if you want marriage, you've made it clear that you want to be married and he wants what's best for you, him living with you first, is he's not gonna then say, you know what, F what she wants, I'm already getting what I want, I get food, I get clean house, I get access to sex, whatever these, the cow is, right? That's the milk, whatever the milk is in that example. <laughs> I don't think he's going to then say, well, I'm not going to marry her because look at all this access. 
if he wants what's best for you and he knows that's what you want at minimum, if he doesn't care about marriage in either way and he knows this is what you want and he loves you, he'll marry you. The thing is, is that that person who's supposedly taking advantage of you and they're living with you and they're never going to marry you, they weren't going to probably marry you even if you didn't live together because either they don't believe in it or they don't care enough about you to give you what you want. So I don't think that the living together, it's, oh, no, well, now he's not going to ask for my hand because he's getting everything that he can get as if we were married. I don't think that's true at all. Mm -hmm. If he believes in marriage and he will, and or wants to make you happy, he'll do it, regardless of the circumstances. Now, that is a topic that no matter who you ask, I think you're going to get different answers and different opinions and it's different for everybody. I will say uh, seven, eight years ago now, I moved in with a girlfriend after a year. And it didn't work out rather quickly because there was just conversations that apparently should have been had well beforehand. A lot of it did mm -hmm. have to do with finances and stuff like that. I've learned lessons the hard way. Uh, believe me yeah. on that. Um, you know, before someone kind of moves in with somebody, is there any like question or two do you feel like is like super appropriate that they should ask before doing that? Yeah, I want to know about how we're splitting these bills. So the finances, right? Who's moving into which space and why? And does that make sense? Who's paying which bills and why? Um, and then what are your expectations of me? So I need to know, like now that normally when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, you came over every, every few days a week and then I cooked for you when you came over. Do you think that I'm going to be making three square meals a day every day? Is that your mm -hmm. expectation? Because I'm willing or I'm unwilling, right? Um, you know, I do my laundry. Sometimes I come over and I clean up your house, but I don't anticipate having to do both of our laundry. Is that what you expect? Because that's not what I'm down for. Like talking about finances and talking about who is responsible for what financially and in terms of in the home and maintaining the home are things that should be discussed in advance. Hmm. And, uh, something I've learned that I said from my previous experience, and uh, I feel like it's serving me well is I moved into this house that I'm sitting in right now about a year and a half ago, right? And then, uh, so I met my girlfriend 10 months ago and she comes over here. It's pretty apparent that when the time happens, she will be moving into my place. Now, I will say, I would say for the last seven or eight months, I've been getting her opinion and her design um, expertise and stuff because I really want this to feel like it's her place as well, not just... I'm moving into his house and I can't do anything. I want her to have felt like she has made some design decisions and where things go and what things look like. And my furniture is going to go here and my pictures of my family is going to go there. I imagine that will probably go a long way other than feeling like I'm in his house now, you know? Mm -hmm. So feeling like it's a shared space, I imagine will probably serve me well. And that's something I've been kind of aware of is just getting her opinion and, you know, letting her make some decisions around the house too. So, and plus I'm just a dude, you know, I can use a little feminine touch around here. <laughs> looks yep, better absolutely. and looks better and smells better anyways. But, uh, you know, I will say Allison, like this has been a blast. You have given such really, really good insight. And unfortunately, like it's, you're going to have awkward conversations. You have to kind of get through that to have like a successful relationship and set proper expectations. I've learned this the hard way. I prefer people learn from you <laughs> instead of <laughs> making mistakes. Um, I genuinely have loved this conversation. I think this is great. And, uh, you know, 
keep rocking on, keep doing what you're doing because I see how happy you get on your Instagram when you are able to help others make the connection for the people that they deserve. Yes. I loved how you, I loved how you said that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what can we expect from Allison in the future? Sure. So, um, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, but I, I do have some, some, some interest in television. So we shall see about that. Um, and to keep rocking, keep creating my content online is my special, my favorite space, which is Instagram, uh, my live streams and just interacting in my coaching program for sure. Yep. Working with people one-on-one, -on -one, I really like to do a deep dive and to get their minds right. Perfect. I love it. And before I let you go, do you have any final last words of advice for people who are looking to find what they deserve? Yes. Uh, two pieces of advice. Number one, work on becoming the best version of you. Mm -hmm. You cannot say that you deserve all this magnificence if you are not too magnificent. And number two, have a clear vision as to what you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, it's going to be very difficult to find. So make sure you have those non-negotiables outlined by heart. You know exactly what you're looking for. So when you re-enter the scene, dating apps or in person, then you can sift through and figure out whether or not the person's a good match for you. Awesome. And for everybody listening to this, alignwithallison.com. That's alignwithallison1l.com. You are an awesome coach. You are the coach that people need. I Thank love you. the confidence you have and you don't deal with BS. You give it to them straight and that's yep. how you get results. Love yep. it. Awesome. Once again, I thank you so much for your time. This has been a blast. So you're welcome back anytime. If you ever want to discuss anything, I'm more than happy to do that. So Allison, thank you so much. And good luck with everything you do, but you don't need it. You're kicking ass. So uh, thank you. Congratulations on everything. Thanks, Ryan. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you again to Allison Wellington. Damn, she is confident, and I hope some of that rubs off on me. If you can't tell why she is a coach, I don't know what you were just listening to. She does not play around, but damn, she's awesome. That was such awesome advice. Thank you so much again, Allison, for sitting down with me, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Follow me on Instagram at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Check out my website at IamRyanMcGuire.com slash podcast where you can fill out a form if you want to join the conversation or know a story of somebody who would. I'll catch you next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.